Good morning. Welcome to the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful to be among you guys on today. Good morning, Toya. Good to see you this morning. Hope you're having a fantastic day. Uh, we got a jam-packed show for you this morning. We're going to be coming out of Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to do a drive-by through the Old Testament um, to talk about fasting on today. Um, we got some other topics that we're going to be bringing up throughout the course of the show. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to drop down in that comment box below and hit us up with any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We just ask that you keep it classy down in the comment box. And if you get a little too rowdy, we're going to give you that nice little mute button. Um, but you are welcome to stay on and listen to us talk anyway. We're grateful for every person that's coming on and grateful for every like, comment, and share that you give. Um, if you decide to give anything to this ministry, know that your gifts are going straight to the True Gospel Ministry. Nothing goes to me. Got my own job, make my own money, pay my own bills. Um, but everything will be given to keep up with our subscriptions and our website. As always, if you miss any part of the recording or if you have to go off and do your own thing for a little while and want to listen to what we you may have missed, um, then you can always go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and listen to the entirety of this episode and past episodes since our inception right there at your leisure. I'm going to jump open. Uh, we're going to open up with a word of prayer and then we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 6 on this morning. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you saying thank you for another blessed day in your presence. We are are so grateful that you give us this opportunity to be able to worship you in spirit and truth on today. We ask, Lord God, that everything that comes from my mouth be none of me and all of you. Lord God, we're asking and praying that you just show us more of who you are, show us more of your will, show us more of your way, show us your essence, show us your power, and show us your might. Lord God, work through us on today. Allow us to say something that will edify the body of believers and will touch those who don't have a walk with you that they may grow to love you, honor you, and bless you in both duty and delight. Lord God, I'm grateful that you give us this platform to be able to just worship you on today, uh, to share truth with you, with, with one another on today, and to show people a side of you that they may otherwise not be able to see. And so we're asking, Lord God, that you just move everything, move us, move self out of the way. Uh, so that you may get the glory, you may get the honor, you may get the praise. And we thank your son, Jesus Christ, who paved the way for us all by dying on the cross and rising again and crediting us with his righteousness so that we may be called the righteousness of God. For we recognize that we cannot be fully human without you. We're grateful and we give your name all praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we're continuing our series this morning um, as part of our morning musing, uh, talking about faith works. And again, we've been talking about the things that God has given us to be able to do uh, this faith walk, to be able to, you know, have this, um, to have the life that God has given us to, to be able to walk, walk this faith out from one degree of glory to the next. And so we're grateful that God gives us this opportunity to be able to share with you, you know, what the things God has given us as a, as it means to, as a means to grow closer to him, to be able to serve him, to be able to delight in him. Um, and so we've talked about Bible intake on Monday. Uh, we talked about, um, prayer on Tuesday and we talked about meditation uh, through silence and journaling on Wednesday. Today, we're going to be talking about fasting and what fasting allows us to do. Um, as a, um, and let me turn the camera around so you, or so you guys can see it in full in, in its fullness. Um, everything that I'm pulling um, is coming is coming from this book called the Spirit the Spiritual Disciplines 
for the Christian life by Donald Whitney. This book is very powerful in showing us what it is that we as the believers um, have been given as our spiritual weapons and how to utilize them um, from one from one degree of glory to the next. So it talks about prayer, talks about fasting, talk about Bible intake, talk about learning and all these other things. And so, um, you know, so we have this 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 book that this man has done. He, he, he did the thing. Um, and so um, and so that's where I'm pulling a lot of my information from. Um, but again, everything is gospel centered, scriptural bound, scriptural based. And so it's not um, so it's not simply a matter of, you know, um, me just saying, you know, Donald Whitney said we're talking straight about the Lord. And so today, again, we're going to be talking about fasting and we're coming out of Matthew chapter six to begin our conversation. And then we're going to go and do some digging through the Old Testament to give us a, a better understanding of what it is that fasting allows us to do. Um, it says in verse 16 of Matthew chapter 6, When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So let me read it again. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. What God tells us is that when we go on fasts, if whether it's a yearly thing that you do corporately with your church or whether it's something that you do um, on your own at your own, at your own pleasure for your own reasons, the idea behind fasting is not so that you can tell the world that you fasted or that you're telling the world that you're fasting. A lot of times when we do the things that God is calling us to do, we got to be careful that we're not doing it to be seen by others. We're not doing it in, in an attempt to try to show people this is what we're doing. Rather, our fasting should be done in secret because fasting is us drawing closer to God through the denial of something. When we fast, the fasting isn't just done in order to make our bodies leaner or to, you know, ha or to get some type of, you know, physical, you know, um, some physical uh, uh, benefit from it. Although fasting does have its physical benefits, but the fasting is meant to draw us closer to God. It's meant to draw us closer to him by the denial of something. Whenever we're going on a fast, and we'll talk about, you know, being able to fast through, uh, from different things in just a moment. But if we're talking about traditional fasting, which is the denial of food, denial of food for a, a specific time period, whenever we're fasting from food, the fasting, the, the hunger pains that we feel, whenever we feel those pains, whenever we have that desire to eat something, if we're, when we're actively fasting for the Lord, it is an opportunity to draw closer to him 
through because we're denying ourselves of the food that we're eating. And so the fasting is about drawing closer to God. It's about drawing closer to him. It's about getting us to have an opportunity to get closer and closer to God. And as we're drawing closer to him, every time that we deny ourselves of, of the food when we're going on a fast, it's no longer about, oh my God, I'm so hungry. Oh Jesus, oh, I'm going on this fast because that's not what the fast is about. The denial of food in and of itself is not what fasting is for. We deny ourselves of food as an opportunity to draw closer to God, to draw closer to the Lord, to get up, to be more part of to be to be to be in deeper communion with Him, and in doing so, it doesn't matter who knows, it doesn't matter who sees. As a matter of fact, He tells us, "Don't even put yourself in a position if you can help it to." to look like you're fasting put your clothes on like you normally would clean your face up like you normally would you know when it talks about anointing or you um uh anoint your head and wash your face people will sometimes mistake that to think that's supposed to mean we're supposed to do a special anointing on ourselves in order to you know in order to make our fasting be known by god no he's saying no nah, clean yourself up like you normally would go to work like you normally would hang out with your family like you normally would don't put don't don't make yourself look like you're struggling because again if you're doing it to be seen by others then you've received your reward by being seen by them oh he's fasting oh that's so great that's the reward that you're getting and like i told y'all yesterday when it comes to um when you know what i told y'all the other day when it comes to praying i got a lot of stuff that i want from the lord so i'm not out here trying to pray in an, attempt, in an attempt to be seen by other people. I don't, the applause of men, I don't need that. I need some stuff from the Lord. I need some peace. I need some patience. I need some guidance. I need some, I need resources. Like, I need stuff from the Lord. So I'm not out here trying to do this so that I can get the applause of men. No, I need something from the Lord. So in the same way, fasting is saying, you want the applause of men? Okay, but that'll be the only reward you get. Oh God, I'm, I'm fasting for the Lord. I'm fasting for him. That is not what God intends. And you can have the praise of men if you want to, but when it comes to what we need from the Lord, God says in secret, fast in secret. Now again, this is not to say that fasting is the key to unlock the doors. So I say this once, I said it before, I say it again. You know, these are not magical incantations that then unlock the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that we won't have room enough to receive, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. But rather, it is about communing deeper with the Lord, getting drawing, getting and drawing closer to the Lord God Almighty and making our petitions and making our desires and making our thanksgiving and making our fears and everything else in between known to the Almighty God. It draws us closer to him. He's already close to us, but it's drawing us closer to him. So fasting in the denial of food or whatever it is we're denying ourselves of at that time, it allows us the opportunity to draw closer to God by virtue of the pain that we feel, the hunger pains that we feel, giving us the impetus to draw closer to God. I look at it like this. We go through a busy day, 
and throughout our day, you know, we're doing what we do on a regular basis, routine basis. We spend as much time as we spend with the Lord as we normally would spend time with the Lord. But, you know, in, in, in that, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, in our usual day to day, we're spending the time that we spend with the Lord and everything's all good. Everything's kosher. We read, read our Bibles regularly, praying regularly, all that. But when we fast and we're doing and we're fasting for the Lord, that is another nugget of time that we otherwise wouldn't have meditating on the Lord, praying to the Lord, crying out to the Lord. And so, again, it's about us drawing closer to God, spending more time with the, with the Lord, you know, being closer to him, being connected to him just a little bit more out of our day to day. And so when we feel the hunger pain, that's just another opportunity to draw closer to the Lord. It's another opportunity to talk to him, another opportunity to share with him, another opportunity to make our petition known. So again, it's not about, you know, trying to create this magical incantation, but it's about us drawing closer to the Lord out of our usual daily affairs. So again, if you're spending time with the Lord, that's great. That's awesome. That's that's fantastic. What we're doing when we fast is it's drawing us closer. It's drawing us closer to the Lord. Again, he's already cl as close as he's going to get to us, to the max. But it's us drawing nearer to the throne of grace, to the throne of grace by virtue of us having a reminder. Draw close to the Lord. Seek him. Talk to him. Sup with him. And every time we feel that hunger pain, you know, in our time of fasting, we're, that, is a, that is a reminder. Draw close to the Lord. Seek his face. Talk to him. Make your petitions known. We find this happening throughout our scriptures. Um, every time that people were, every time someone called to a fast, it was because they were trying to draw closer to the Lord for one reason or another. When David and Bathsheba, when David messed with Bathsheba and had Uriah killed, Nathan came to him and told him, bruh, you messed up. And because of that, the son that Bathsheba currently carries, that son's not going to make it. Because of what you did, he's not going to make it. In 2 Samuel chapter um, chapter 12, starting at verse, um, make sure I got this right. Yeah, starting at verse number 15. The Lord afflicted the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and he became sick. David, therefore, sought God on behalf of the child. And David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. And the elders of his house stood beside him to raise him from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spoke to him, and he did not listen to us. How then can we say to him, The child is dead? He may do himself some harm. But when David saw that his servants were whispering together, David understood that the child was dead. And David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And he, they said, He is dead. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. He then went to his own house. And when he asked, they set food before him and he ate. Then his servant said to him, What is this thing that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive. 
But when the child died, you arose and ate food. He said, when the, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept for I said, who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live. But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. So in that space, David fasted for um, fasted toward the Lord to draw closer to the Lord, draw closer to the Lord, and made his petition known to God to have mercy upon him, to to have mercy upon the child, and in that space he drew closer to the Lord in an again an attempt to try to make the petition known to God. In the second space, we see that um, that Esther called the called her whole um, nation within the land that they were living in to a fast. Um, in Esther chapter four, starting at verse number twelve, we find these words: They told Mordecai what Esther had said. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther: Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf, and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went and did everything that Esther had ordered him. And so again, we called him to a fast to cry out to the Lord, to draw closer to the Lord because of something that they were getting ready to do. They were getting ready to go to the king and the king... You know, whatever the king's going to do is whatever the king's going to do. But they drew closer to the Lord in an attempt to draw from the power source. You know, give me the strength. Give me the courage. Give me the ability to be able to go to this man, you know, and, and, and have mercy on his heart. You know, give him, you know, mercy to give to me. When he puts that scepter down, please don't have him have me arrested and killed and beaten because I'm going unannounced. The man, the man ain't calling for me. He kill me if you want to. So, you know, please have mercy on me. You know, and they made that made the petition known. And sure enough, you know, if you know the rest of the story of Esther, when she went to the king, you know, went unannounced, went before his court. You know, he was like, what's up? How you doing? What's going on? Why are you here? And that's basically how that thing went to the glory of God. And so again, but again, they they drew closer to God through their fasting. Their fasting wasn't about trying to be seen by others, but rather it was about, you know, trying to draw closer to the Lord. And finally, we go to the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3, starting at verse number 6. This was after Jonah had gotten swallowed up by the fish, came back, and then, and then you know, went and get, did what God told him to do and went to the city of Nineveh and told Nineveh what, what God had basically told them to do, told them was going to happen to them. In Jonah chapter 3, starting at verse 6, the word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published throughout, through Nineveh, quote, by the decree of the king and his nobles, 
Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn away from turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had and said he said he would do to them and he did not do it. So we see that even in this day and time and, and what, what what's so cool about this one is that Nineveh was not worshiping God at this time. They didn't, they were, they, they might have known about him, but they weren't worshiping him. They were worshiping their own gods, doing their own thing. So Jonah, who comes out of left field, comes in and tells them, listen, y'all got, what did he say? Let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see. He said, he, they got 40 days. They got 40 days. They got 40 days. They got 40 days to get this right. Or else this city's going to fall. And they're like, for real? All right. Run it. Fasting. Ain't nobody eating. I ain't eating. You ain't eating. The cows ain't eating. The sheep ain't eating. The goats ain't eating. Nobody eats. For 40 days. We're going to fast. We, 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 we gonna, we, we're going to cry out to him. And hopefully he won't destroy this city. And sure enough, God saw the posture of the city's heart. Not so much their actions, although their actions were fantastic, but he saw the posture of their heart, that they turned from their evil ways in their hearts. And as a result, he relented from the punishment that he was going to dole out to that city for their wickedness. So again, the fasting that they did, that's not what saves them. But it was their it was their humility, as somebody had said earlier in the chat. It was their humility, the heart's posture of change, and the fasting was a was a an external a manifestation of an internal transformation, an external manifestation of an internal transformation, and as a result of that, God said, "I'm going to relent. I'm going to relent." Because you turned back to me. And so again, we say all this to say to us today, as the believers in God, whenever we fast, whether it be again a corporate thing that you do at your local church, or whether it's something that you do on your own, the idea behind fasting is to humble ourselves before the Lord. And in doing so, we deny ourselves of whatever we're denying ourselves of to draw closer to him. It's a matter of drawing closer to God, making our petitions known, making our thanksgiving known, making our whatever it is that we want to make it known. And in doing so, allowing God to minister to us in our hearts. Now, you can fast from food if you want. You can you can fast from food if you'd like, but you can also fast from other things. That whatever it is that you wish to fast from, the idea again is not just not just the denial of the thing. That's, that's only part of it. The denial of the thing is one thing, but it's about drawing closer to God in the midst of the denial. Because it's not, it's not just about, I'm going to give up food for seven days. 
for what? And and what are you going to do? No, not for what. What are you doing in the meantime? Are you going to pray? Are you meditating? Are you seeking his face? Are you, you know, is there something that you're saying in your heart? You know, when you think about what you're thinking, like, what are you doing in that space? Because again, the fasting it's not just about denying yourself of food. Again, there may be some health benefits from the physical fasting from food. Absolutely. There may be some other benefits from fasting from other things. Fasting from electronics. Fasting from, you know, um, leisure activities. Fasting from, you know, um, ex uh, you know from, from drinking wine. You know, fasting from, you know, sex if that's what you want to do. There may be some benefits from that as well. But the question is, what are you doing it for? It's not just the fasting in a vacuum that, you know, again, is going to like unlock doors. It's about fasting for purpose. What are you fasting for? What are you petitioning God for? What are you, you know, what are you, you know, humbling yourself before God for? You know, what is it that you are going before the throne of grace for? And again, the, 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 the we should have a regular rhythm of fasting and, you know, in, 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 in doing so, again, drawing closer to God as often as we can and in a, in a desire to be close in communion with God. And so we're drawing closer to him, drawing closer to him every single day, drawing closer to him every single moment. And as a result of that, we are giving ourselves the opportunity to draw closer to the creator of all things and making our petitions known to him recognizing that he is the or the orchestrator and the in the master and commander of all things. And so again, we thank God that he gives us this space and gives us this opportunity to be able to share with you guys again, you know, just a few little a few, few little nuggets of what it means to fast. Again, it's not about just the denial of something. We're denying ourselves of something in an attempt to draw closer to the one. We're denying ourselves of something in an attempt to draw closer to the one, whatever it is that we, we are denying ourselves of, whether it's food, electronics, you know, good times, whatever the case is, we're putting it down in an attempt to draw closer to God. Again, don't, don't disfigure yourself or make yourself, you know, a, a means of trying to, you know, look the part of fasting. Oh, oh no, oh God, oh you know, I'm fasting. Oh, geez. Oh, man, I'm fasting. That's not the point. The point is not to be to look in the eyes of people to, to, to have us sort of be, you know, celebrated and applauded by people. But rather, it's about drawing closer to the Lord God Almighty. And so nobody got to know you fasting. It's between you and the Lord or you and whoever you're fasting with in the Lord. It's not about it's not about it's not about, you know, being seen by others. It's about drawing closer to the Lord God Almighty in prayer and supplication and petition for whatever it is that we're staying in need of. Whether it's, again, you know, hope, joy, you know, trying to, you know, get something done, whatever the case is. And so, again, we say all that to say as we wrap up this morning's, um, this morning's, this morning's musing um, that um, as part of our faith works, the things that God has given us in our in our spiritual arsenal um, to uh, to um, have a stronger, deeper connection and relationship with Him, God has given us fasting as a means of drawing closer to God. We draw closer to Him as He allows us 
um, the opportunity to deny what we're to deny whatever it is we're going to deny, so that it opens a pathway for us to draw closer to the Lord. And so again, if you find yourself in a place where you are wanting to draw closer to the Lord God Almighty, try fasting. Try fasting. It's not it's not a requirement. You know, you don't have to do it. You know, it, it, but again, you know, it is something that God has given us as an, as an ability to be able to draw closer to the Lord God Almighty. And so as we deny ourselves of food or deny ourselves of, of electronics or deny ourselves of Netflix, you whatever you're denying yourself of, you deny yourself of it to draw closer to the Lord, to speak to him, to talk with him, to read about him, to, to, love, to learn more about him and all the and all these other things you can do for him to him. And so again, you know, this is just another piece of the of the weaponry that God has given us. Again, we've talked about, you know, Bible intake, we've talked about prayer, we've talked about meditation, and now we've added fasting to the arsenal. And again, one more time just so that everybody can know that I'm no I'm no super genius or anything. It, all those all these are coming from this book entitled Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney. Again, one of the best books you will ever read on the spiritual disciplines. Um, talking about Bible intake, meditation, journaling, fasting, worship, prayer, the whole nine yards. And so I recommend you get this book um, and learn more about the spiritual disciplines so that you can know how to maximize the things that God has given us so that we can have a better relationship with the Lord. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're certainly thankful for the 1,200 likes that we have received thus far. Thank y'all so much for hitting that like button. I really do appreciate it. Uh, we're also thankful for every follow. We're thankful for every comment, every share. Um, again, we're so thankful that you guys are here. Um, if you've missed any part of this recording or want to go back and listen to past episodes, you can go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast, and catch every episode that we have um, that we've created since its inception. And so we're just grateful that you guys are here. Um, again, if you haven't, if you've missed any part of this, go feel free to go back and um, listen to any part uh, part that you may have missed. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. Oh yes, if you do decide to give to this um to this live, none of your gifts go to me. I make my own money, got my own job, pay my own bills, and so none of this is going to me. It's going straight to the um the ministry to keep up our website and to keep up our subscriptions. And so again, um, all of the generosity that you guys give is greatly appreciated. But it then it's not going to me, so you're not paying me. You're you're actually giving your money to the uh, to the um to the website. Uh, so that we can keep it up for you guys. And so again, um, thank y'all for watching the True Gospel Morning Show. We'll be right back in just a moment.
You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. Again, we're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for the 1,200 likes that you that we have received thus far and grateful for you guys and your viewership, your comments. Um, keep them coming. Um, as you guys are commenting and asking questions and making comments, I'm making notes. And so um, I may not answer your questions today, but on a future episode of the True Gospel Morning Show, I'm willing to answer all the questions and the concerns that you guys have including the concern about um you know if god be if god be god you know then why did he allow you know children to be hurt in schools so again that is something that i will definitely address on a later episode of the true gospel morning show um so at just some guy i'm not ignoring you i just got so many other things that i got that are in the queue that i can't answer that question right now um, but again, um, and also someone is saying something about women's rights. And so we'll talk about that on a future episode of the True Gospel Morning Show. But today um, on our segment, What Would Jesus Say? Um, a Houston pastor is ordered to pay $2.45 million after allegedly giving, woman, giving a woman um, an, an STD. A prominent Houston pastor has been ordered to pay $2.45 million to a woman that a jury found he gave an STD to. After a three-day trial and six and a half hours of deliberation, the jury unanimously found uh, Reverend Ralph D. West II liable. Quote, you can't fix this. She got it for the rest of her life, unquote, said Sean Murphy, an attorney. Murphy spoke for his client, who a jury found contracted an STD from West after meeting on Facebook. As seen on, a, uh, on Church Without Walls' website, he's listed as the Eldridge Campus Minister. Quote, the things that we look for are at, look, look at for cases like these are essentially four things. Is the defendant infected and how can we prove it? Did he know he was infected and do we have evidence of that? Said Murphy. He added that he was able to prove those facts along with evidence showing West lied about having the STD and spreading it when he and the woman had unprotected sex in March of 2018. Quote, she got an outbreak two or three days later and then went and got tested. From there, through the medical records, we were able to identify that he was the source of it in part because she hadn't been with anybody else. She had had a prior negative test. Um, Murphy said subsequent conversations supported the claims. Um, quote, when she asked, where did this come from? His response was his son's mother, Murphy said. He adds, there were also emails between West and his client. Quote, when she accuses him of knowing he had it, of giving it to her, and there are other allegations about not caring about me and that kind of thing, Murphy said. The response, Murphy said, was telling. Quote, he never once denied that he had it or that he knew that he had it, Murphy said. West declined to comment. Murphy says that his client does feel a sense of relief and vindication with the judgment. Aside from the financial aspect, he said he hopes to spreads awareness that people can and should be held accountable for knowingly putting their partners at risk for STDs. And so here's the thing. Um, first off, We, as the people of God, this is, this is one of the reasons why people don't take us seriously. 
<laughs> this is one of the reasons why people don't take us believers seriously. Now, mind you, I understand. Everybody's got sin problems. Everybody's got sin issues. Ain't none of us perfect. We all trying to, we all trying to get, we all going through the sanctification process, all going through the journey. No doubt about it. No doubt whatsoever. But it is, it's, 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 it's heartbreaking. I think the word is, that's what I'm looking for. It's heartbreaking that our faith walk as leaders is, and I don't want to sound judgmental as I say that, because like I said, we all have, we all have issues and then we all have problems that we're working on and that we're dealing with as believers in God. We all, we all have that, right? But it's like, If you say you believe in Jesus and you say that this is the word of God and that we're believing in everything that we say we believe in and we're preaching it to other people, at some point, where is the sanctification process doing its work on us? I think, I think that's, I think that's what I, where the struggle is for me in, in this. Because again, like I said, I'm not perfect. I've got my fault, uh, faults, I've got my flaws, I've got my issues, I've got my problems. And I've had to go to therapy and deal with them, you know, and every now and then they try to rear their ugly head and, you know, fighting them with the power of God and the power of um, the power of um, confession and things of that nature. And so, you know, so again, I'm not saying I'm perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not, I don't have a heaven or a hell to put this pastor in. I ain't got a heaven or a hell to put this lady in. So I'm not, so that is not where it's at. There's a lot of people who are, you know, promiscuous and got a relationship with Jesus, you know, and that's something that God's got to work on them with to get them out of that space. And so I'm not, a, I'm not in a place to, I'm not in a place to judge anybody. The issue that we run into, the issue that I'm running into with it though, is that one, you know, you're sick. Like, you know there's something wrong with you. It's not like this is unknown to you, right? You know there's something wrong with you. You know I got a, I got a disease. I got a sickness in me. And your heart has to be <sighs> so callous that in your fleshly desire to have to have sex premature to have you know sex premaritally which already is a sin by itself cuz god says you know no sex for marriage okay i know i know we like to be sex positive in the in the, in the world that we live in today but the bible said with before not before marriage you you want the perfect picture in marriage get married then do it you know again people going to do what they want to do but that's what the bible says but, so even in that space, though, knowing that you have this, you have sex with the girl, you 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 y'all y'all bump it, and you don't protect yourself and you don't protect her. Like you got all these that, and I think that's where my struggle that that's where my struggles at. That's where my struggles at. You got all these blocks. That can help you 
to not transmit this thing, whether it be abstinence, celibacy, telling the person this is what you're dealing with, you know, being honest and open, or if you're not going to be honest, being protective, and you bypass all of it. You bypass Jesus. You bypass honesty and openness. You bypass protection. And in the midst of that, this thing happens. Now, you know, she has some culpability in it too by not ensuring that she was protected. But every, but, but at the same time, it's not her responsibility to tell or to know to some degree that this man is sick. Because even if he, she asked him, could have easily have said no. Or could have easily have falsified a record or something to convince her. So it's like, here we are in this space. And... It's like, I, it's not, it's for me, it's not about assigning, assigning blame. It's about recognizing where we are as a body of believers and how, how willing we are to step over the cross in order to get to in order to get to what we want to do. How willing we are to step over the cross to do what we want to do. Whether it be him or her, they both had to step over the cross in order to do what they wanted to do. Now, the judgment came in the, in the settlement as a response to him not telling her what was going on with him. That's what they gave her the money for. The money wasn't about, you know, um, you know, the fact that, you know, the, 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 the sex itself. That wasn't the issue. The issue was he made her sick and didn't tell her what was going on. We recognize we live in a we you we live in a broken world where broken people are going to do broken things and not everybody is saved not everybody is a believer not everybody's going to you know adhere to you know sex before marriage or any of that type of stuff and so the law you know is 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 the law is written accordingly if, for it to be as broad of a brush as possible and so I so I have no issues with the law or anything like that and so. That so the law is gonna be the law. It's so it's not about the fact that they got together. It's the fact that they got together and he didn't say anything about what was going on with him. Led her to believe that there was nothing wrong with him. And despite she didn't do her due diligence, the fact still remains it was his responsibility to tell her. To be honest, what have we been talking about all week long? Talk to your people about what's going on with you. Talk to your people. About what you get, what's going on inside your heart, what's going on inside your head. Now, adding the body to it. What's going on with your body? You're not telling people. You're hiding it so that you can get what you want. So that you can get what you want. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, like, what is it going to take for us as the body of believers? Because again, 
I'm talking to believers. This dude's a pastor. So I'm talking to the believers. What is it going to take for us to be open, honest, and transparent about what's going on with us? Like, what we, what we, what we, <laughs> we want what we want so badly sometimes that we're willing to step over Jesus to get it. We're willing to step over Jesus to get it. I, I know I believe in you, Jesus, but there's something over there that I want much more than you. I believe in you, Jesus, but there's something over here that I, I, I got to have that forbidden fruit. I know that you draw the lines and you draw you. You've drawn the lines in, in beautiful places for me. But I'm stepping over that line because there's something that I want. And I want it so badly that I'm willing to mask and hide whatever I got to mask and hide for a few seconds of pleasure. Just so I can feel good for a moment. And we're going to talk about that in greater detail in just a moment, in just a minute. But this is what we do. And as a result, the consequences are much bigger than we could ever imagine. Two, two point, $2.45 million. For 15 seconds of pleasure? If that? Like, we don't think about the consequences that come with our actions. And again, I'm talking to believers. For a half hour or an hour of pleasure, you now got to spend $2.45 million because you couldn't be honest about what was going on with you. For a half hour or an hour of joy or gratification, you now are, you know, embarrassed publicly. They're probably going to put you out to church because, you know, Pastor, we, you know, we, we, we can't have you up here you know, preaching and this thing is just leaning over your head. So we've decided that we can't have you be our pastor no more. You know, we all we all say, but but, but the Bible says that we got to be all above reproach. We got to all be above reproach, and you're not above reproach right now. And so, you know, we gotta, you know, we got to, you know, we're not gonna have, we can't have this, you know, be, you know, on our. You gotta sit you down, and I don't know if we're gonna have you be back on as our pastor anymore, like. You lost, you lost, you, you might lose your church. Your reputation shot. And all you had to do was be honest. But because we want what we want so badly, we, for, we, we don't even think about the consequences. We're very quick. We can be very quick to cheapen the grace of God. Well, he forgives 70 times, seven a day. So I'm going to go and do this. And then I'm going to just ask him for forgiveness later. Oh, okay. Now, I love our God. I'm glad he ain't petty like me. He forgives. But let it be known that actions still have consequences. And if God so decides, you're going to feel the full extent of the consequences. If he so decides. And so this is a painful reminder, a painful reminder that honesty, openness, 
transparency, vulnerability cannot be underestimated in the kingdom. Because this situation could have been avoided had he just said something. Just been up front. Listen, I got this, got this, got this thing down here. You know, it ain't, you know. And so I like you and I, I, I probably, and I know I shouldn't be doing this because I'm a whole pastor for crying out loud, but I'm a Christian, you know, but you know, and I shouldn't want this, but I like you and I want you, you know, but I saw so I'm a, so, I mean, we're going to step over the cross to, to do what we do, but I just need to let you know ahead of time, this is what I got. So what do you want to do about that? You know, you still want to do it or, or not? I mean, we wouldn't even, we wouldn't even, this story would have never made the light, this, something like this would have, wouldn't even had to reach the light of day. Doing our due diligence to ensure that we're in a space of safety, talking about her, you know, asking the right questions. Are you safe? You know, are you protected? Are we, we, we're using protection, drawing a line in the sand, we're using protection. You know what I'm saying? Like. You know, again, I'm not condoning premarital sex, but if you gonna do it, protect yourself at all costs. You know, birth control is one thing, but these STDs ain't nothing to play with. Protect yourself if you gonna do it. You know, again, I don't condone it, but been there, done that, wore that t-shirt. If you gonna do it, protect yourself. Protect yourself. And so again, you know, doing our due diligence to ensure that first of all, ensuring that we're walking the path of righteousness. That's the first and big and biggest thing. Walking the path of righteousness. Are you do are you walking out what you say you believe in, believers? And if you're struggling in that area, let's talk talk about that. Talk about the struggles, talk about the issues, talk about the problems, talk about the the journey of sanctification. This ain't this is not I say this all the time. This is not for the faint of heart. There are a lot of people who try, who tried this Christian thing and they said, no, nah, this ain't for me because it got too hard. And there's some of the same ones that have come through this chat right now and talk about, I don't believe in God for this and I don't believe for God for that. And, 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 and by and large, a lot of them tried it. It got too difficult for them and they said, the heck with this. I'd rather go back and do what I was doing before. Christianity is not for the faint of heart. Following Jesus is not for the faint of heart. There are some great days, some good days, but there are also some trying times. We have hills and we have valleys. This Christian walk is not for the faint of heart. And so we as the believers in God, we got to recognize that when times get hard, we need to, we need to dig our heels in. When we have those lusts and we have those passions and we have those issues to creep back up, what are we doing to safeguard ourselves, to protect ourselves? You know, how are we leaning into the power of God? How are we leaning into the power of the Holy Spirit? What guardrails do we have up to ensure that we don't fall into the same traps that we fell into when we were unbelievers or we fell into when we were baby Christians? Paul said it like this. Y'all should be on meat by now. Y'all still on y'all still on the foundation. Y'all still on the fundamentals, Hebrew, the book of Hebrews. Y'all still on the fundamentals. Y'all still, it is, did Christ rise from the dead? We supposed to be on the, the, big, the big boy stuff by now. 
for a lot of us, faith walk can be so shallow. We haven't put any guardrails in place to help us to walk the lines that God that God has placed before us. We're not tapping into the spirit of God to help us in these trying times. We're allowing the we're allowing the gods of this age through TikTok and Facebook and Instagram and all of our celebrities and all of our um our influencers and all of our entertainers to dictate how we're supposed to live more so than we are God. When Sexy Red becomes the biggest star in the world, it's showing you we got a problem. Everybody's so worried about what she's doing right now and the fact that she's pregnant right now and oh my God, you know, what's coming next from her? Like, is she she's our queen now? But this is what, but we're, but we're following them and we're being influenced by them and whatever it is that they say, that, that must be the life. And we talking about being a believer in Jesus. So again, I say all that to say to us today, we have to do our due diligence to guard our hearts, to guard our souls and to take our sins and put them to death daily. Put our sins to death daily. Take, a, take up our cross daily. Set our minds on things above where Christ is daily. To not set our minds on the things of the earth daily. And there are days where it's going to be easier to do than others. It's going to be a struggle some days and, and other days not so much. But we, the believers in God, we have to be ever so careful that we are not putting ourselves in a position where we are compromising on the gospel of Jesus Christ in an attempt to appease the flesh. In an attempt to appease the flesh. Because at the end of the day, if we're not careful, we'll fall, we'll find ourselves compromising on the thing that we say to be true and we'll lead others to do the same and we'll end up having far greater consequences than any other thing than we could ever than we could ever have, you know, than we'd ever have to deal with. The consequences of sin are far greater than we could ever expect, which again we'll talk about in just a moment. And so we have to make sure that we're doing our due diligence to ensure that we are doing everything we can by the power of God that 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 that's that's in that's flowing through us to be what God has called us to be. In addition just be honest, man. Just just tell the truth. Just tell the truth and shame the devil. Tell the truth and shame the devil. It, it, tell the truth. Just tell the truth. Man, I got this thing going on down in my nether regions. And um, look, I like you. You're awesome. I think you bad. I think you bad. But you know, um... I got this thing going on down here, and so, you know, I just got to let you know ahead of time, so that way, you know, if we decide to do this, you know what, you know what you're getting into, that's all, you know, I, I mean, I like you and everything, and I want to be with you and everything, but, you know, I got to let you know ahead of time, so that way, if you decide you want to do this, you know what you're getting into, you still want to do this? Okay, I'm just going to get some protection first, you know, something, something, or, no, I don't want, want that, no, I'm good. Thank you. And be done with it. Be done with it. 
But at the end of the day, you know, it is our it is our responsibility as the believers in God. Again, talking to the believers, unbelievers, like y'all do what y'all do. Y'all do what y'all do. But for the believers, we got to do our due diligence to be open, honest, and transparent about what's going on with us. Because the truth will set us free. Those who worship Jesus must worship Jesus and God in spirit and truth. God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So we got to be honest about what we got going on. We got to be honest about what's going on in our hearts. We got to be honest about what we want and honest about what we're doing. Like I said, you know, some people, they're going to be like, yep, I'm stepping over the cross to go do what I want to do. Cool. At least you're honest. I don't, I don't understand why I keep doing what I do. Because you want it. Because you want it. Plain and simple. You want it more than you, do, more than you want God. Just be honest about it. Because God can do more with your honesty than with you trying to hide behind the shadows. It's it's really it's really that it's, it's that simple. Although as we get to in just a minute, it's not it's it's not as simple as I'm saying it is to be. But that's why we as the believers of God have platforms like this, and we have local churches so that we can talk about the nuances of the sanctification process. But again, saying all that to say, man, just talk. It shouldn't cost your. Oh my gosh. Okay, God, I see what you did there. Your honest your lack of honesty should not cost you 2.45 million dollars. Your lack of honesty should not cost you your career. Your lack of honesty should not cost you your marriage. Your lack of honesty should not cost you a church. Your lack of honesty should not cost you all these things. You see what I'm saying? If you're just honest, yeah, you might lose out on getting something that you want, but you get peace, which is a far greater reward. You're losing $2.45 million because you weren't honest. You might be losing your church because you're not honest. Maybe losing out on relationships because you're not honest. And I've told you about my clients before. They got clients, they won't be honest with their with their people. And they're wondering why they people don't want to be with them. Because you ain't being honest with them. Your honesty, your lack of honesty is going to cost you the kingdom. If you're not careful, trying to put on a mask before men, but your heart be so far away from God. We got to be open and honest about what's going on with us. Now, I'm not saying you got to be open and honest to the masses. Because, again, everybody can't handle our honesty. But you got to be honest with somebody. So that we can work on these issues and take these things to the cross. Confession is good for the soul. It's a good work. It shouldn't, our lack of honesty shouldn't, shouldn't cost us $2.45 million. It shouldn't cost us that. But if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves acting out, acting out in such a way 
to where we end up costing ourselves far more than we could ever anticipate when all we had to do was be honest. I'll give y'all an example. You know, when I was working um, at a um, at one of my um, previous um, previous sites, about um, two sites prior um, to where I am now, um, I had this client that I was working with, and this was during the advent of, of Facebook social media. I was on, um, I had my I had a ministry on Facebook, and I was doing therapy in the place. And after therapy had ended with this particular client, she found me on Facebook about a month later through that ministry, and so. I started, you know, um, being a minister to her, um, you know, that do that not recognizing the dual role, um, you know, in my naivety, um, and my job, you know, had a policy on dual relationships where you, they just absolutely no, you cannot have them. Now, everybody, every time we went to training, that dual relationship thing was always geared toward, you know, having relations with your clients, and we were like, oh no, we ain't doing that, we ain't doing that, we ain't doing that, no, we ain't doing that. And so I never looked at it from the perspective of, um, never looked at it from the perspective of, you know, having a relate, a, any type of outside relationship. And so, you know, I knew I should have told my boss, you know, hey, she found me on Facebook. It just, it, you know, she, she we, I'm talking to her as a minister, not as a therapist. You know, what do I do? Do I need to cut it off? Do I need to, can I keep going? What do I need to do? And I, I told told my wife, I feel like I need to do this. And she was like, yeah, you absolutely need to do this. Go ahead. You need to do it. You need to do it. And got there. And that day I clammed up and just did not tell. And so we kept talking on Facebook, kept ministering, kept, you know, doing word and, you know, becoming brothers and sisters in the Lord, all that thing. Everything was above board. But then the family found out. And they were 98 hot because, you know, you know, when you're, when you're ministering to people, it's a whole different field than when you're talking as a therapist. And so we were getting some really deep things. And, you know, obviously when you start reading things um, in messages, you know, you just read one message and you ain't even looking at the totality of what's being talked about. And so <clears throat> they reported me to HR and HR called me in and said, hey, we got this call. What's going on? Show us the transcript. And I showed them the transcript. They said, yeah, we got to let you go right now. Straight up. You're done. There was no, there was no, you know, um, uh, no, no tribunal. There was no communication, nothing. I had to go. I barely got to get stuff out of my office. You know, I didn't get to get any of the work, any of the work that I had been working on. I've been working on a book, a workbook. All that work is gone. Like I and I cannot, I cannot bring that stuff back to my remembrance at all. And so I lost. So I lost a whole lot, all because I wasn't honest. Hey, got this situation. You know, I don't know if this is a dual relationship issue. Holla at me. Let me know what to do. And as a result, I lost that job. One of the best jobs I ever had. You know, I was running a whole unit. I, I, I was I was at the promised land at that point. I was in the Mecca. I, was, I love my job. And so, you know, I'm so again saying all that to say. We don't we're not looking at the consequences. Of what we're doing when all we got to do. All we got to do is just be honest, be honest about where we're at, be honest about what's going on, be honest about our situation and then being honest possibly save ourselves from far more harm 
than we could ever, ever anticipate. And that's why, again, it says, you know, God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. A spirit just gives us a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. And we have to be willing to overcome the fear and the anxiety that we feel of men and walk in the courage of God and just tell people the truth. Because the truth will indeed set us free. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for the 2,800 likes that we have received thus far. Thank you for every like, every comment, every share. If you've missed any part of this message, you can go to our Spotify and Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast, and listen to all of our episodes from inception to today. And we're certainly grateful for all of you, and we're grateful that you're watching the True Gospel Morning Show. We'll be right back with you in just a moment. watching the true gospel morning show with your boy eddie d right here on tiktok live with you monday through friday 6 a.m to 8 a.m eastern standard time certainly grateful for the 3,000 likes that we have received thus far go ahead and keep those likes coming we really do appreciate y'all for your um for your continuous viewership and um grateful that you guys are here kicking it with me during the second hour of our show today uh, right now, we're going to get into our sanctification session, which is kind of a continuation of the conversation we had just got out of um, two minutes ago. Um, this is um, Pastor Eric Mason from Epiphany Fellowship.
talking about sin over-promising and under-delivering. A few weeks ago, I decided I deserved, I deserved some reprieve. So I was like, I really want this. I want some pizza. Like, y'all don't understand. Pizza, chips, French, a good fry, like a, like a good crispy French fry with a soft interior, maybe drizzled with truffle oil and some Parmesan. It's got some Parmesan cheese, and it's fresh. And then you get a little bit of ketchup. You go, yeah, yeah. Woo! That's my kryptonite. So I decided, you know, I haven't been, you know, I got all, uh, the doctor took me all my diabetes medicine, all my salt, so I'm, so I'm like, you know, I'm about to get all my, my blood pressure medicine. But I said, I just need just some salt today. So I just, I hit it, I went crazy. Oh, Lord, it was so good. Was, oh, God, it was good. My endorphins were just shooting everywhere. But, see, I'm 50 now, so food hit different in this season. Y'all didn't tell me 50 plus. My foot swollen up. My pinky went numb. I had a headache. My ears started twitching. My eyes started going. I'm like, what in the world's going with me? Because I underestimated the pleasure of that experience and didn't realize that because I underestimated the pleasure, I didn't realize that there was repercussions to my enjoyment. Listen, you don't have, you got to understand that sin always feels good while you do it, but it doesn't tell you about those hidden aches and pains that are come on the back end of your life for being in sin. Again, that is Pastor Eric Mason from Epiphany Fellowship. Um, I'm hoping one of these days I'll get to go up and visit him while he's pastoring because that man, I mean, he's just freaking amazing. Um, amazing theologian. Um, very, very powerful man of God. Um, but what he's talking about is exactly what we just finished talking about in our previous, in our previous segment. That for many of us, we underestimate the power of sin. We underestimate the power of sin in that it overpromises and under underdelivers every single time. It overpromises and underdelivers every single time. Where's where is it? I'll tell y'all a lot about. I've, I've said this a lot, and don't mind saying it again. If you ever want to read a book on um, sanctification, recovering redemption. Is one of the best books that you'll ever read on the process of sanctification because it really does an incredible job of showing us what it is that we as the believers go through as we're going through the process of sanctification and what to expect through that process and so again I recommend this book to anyone I'm gonna read um, I'm going to read a pick a, um, a page. I'm going to read something from it. Read a page out of it. This is in chapter two of Recovering Redemption by Matt Chandler. There are people, obviously, who don't want anything to do with God, Jesus, the Bible, religion, church, change, the whole smash. The gospel may mean good news by definition in preacher's terms, but not by the way the dictionary reads at their house. They got their own ways of dealing with life, and God's not one of them. But despite every delusion to the contrary, the downdraft from the previous chapter just as just you just read is that while the good news of the gospel may not appeal to everyone, the bad news of the gospel still applies to everyone. So even if a person might never be willing to admit it directly to anyone's face, 
None of us can escape the universal underlying sense of displeasure and disappointment we all feel for life on the ground. Not all day every day perhaps, but often and intensely enough at times that each of us flares up with the urge to do something about it, to cope with it, to make it go away, to fix it. We're fixers. It's how we try changing the dynamic. It's how we try creating our own redemption. Now listen, we're not judging here because we've all done it and we all still do it. For even though the gospel of Christ received by faith removes all need for us to keep our stash of fix-it stuff on hand, the fact remains that most of our attics and basements and garages still have a number of buckets we pull out when things aren't going the way we like. Some of them we only use as needed from time to time. Others, however, have become a regular part of our day, our M.O., our maintenance plan. But the only change or result that any of them produce, the only change they can produce, is change for the worst. What you'll see in the four buckets we're about to bring out into the open is that no matter how much we may feel dependent on them or drawn to them for support they give us and for the quick fixes they sometimes provide, they eventually bottom out, dry up, and quit working. They're wasted runs at redemption. God help us for thinking there'll ever be anything more. He then goes on to describe the four wells that we run to, that we the people tend to run to whenever we're looking to try to save ourselves or make ourselves feel better about whatever we're going through or that we think is going to bring us ultimate joy, peace, and satisfaction. We either turn to ourselves we turn to others, we turn to the world and its materiality, or we turn to religion, um, which is, um, in, his, in his way of writing it, a list of do's and don'ts. If I do this and don't do this, then I will. Then I will. Um, and so, so I say all that to say to us today, um, in light of what Pastor um, Mason said in his sermon, we as a people of God, we tend to to underestimate the power of sin. We tend to think that the that whatever it is that we are putting above God, whatever it is that we think will bring us ultimate joy, pleasure, satisfaction, peace, get our, you know, get our jollies on, you know, allow us to feel so good on the inside, it always overpromises and underdelivers. It always overpromises and underdelivers. You name it, you have tried it. It always, it all, you always end up finding yourself wanting, and and in the wanting, you end up needing to go back to that well over and over and over again in an attempt to try to re to re reach that first high. Some of us will look for you know um for for satisfaction and joy through ourselves. So we have some future version of ourselves that we're chasing down, that we're chasing after, that we want so badly that that person is going to be the person who's going to bring me the satisfaction that I'm looking for. And so we'll spend years upon years trying to become this person that we think is going to solve all of our problems. But how many of us can honestly say that that person was the savior of all of our issues? That, we, that when we became that person or when we strive to be that person, that that person was the person that, that saved us from all of our issues and problems. Matter of fact, five years ago, you thought that you would be in a particular place in your life. If you look at your life right now, 
Are you where you thought you would be five years ago? The plan that you have now for your five-year plan, you know, honestly, how's that been working out for you so far? Is it working the way that you thought it would work? A lot of times we will set these goals and set these expectations for ourselves, expecting those things to be the thing that's going to make me happy. The thing that's going to bring me joy, the thing that's going to bring me peace, the thing that's going to bring me satisfaction. If I just get to this point in my life, then I will be the happiest person that I've ever been. I see countless people in therapy all the time that tell me I've got everything that I could ever imagine and I'm still miserable. I don't understand why I'm still so miserable. I've got everything that anybody would ever ask for. I've got the job. I've got the spouse. I've got the kids. I've got the house. And I'm still not satisfied. I'm still not, I'm still not satisfied. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I, I'm not satisfied. I'm not, I'm not satisfied with myself. And I'm getting ahead of myself when I'm talking about all the other stuff. No, I'm not satisfied with myself. I am not where I thought I was going to be. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not pleased that now that I'm here, I'm not pleased. I'm not as pleased as I thought I was going to be. And so when we can't turn to ourselves, we'll then turn to others. So I got to get the hot wife. I got to get the bomb husband. What We call it a high value man now. You know, I got to get the boss B. You know, I got to get the kids. You know, I, I, I want I want the, the, the I want the I want the, the job that gets me the, the notoriety. I want the success. I want to be seen. I want to be known. I want to be loved. I want to be lauded on. And so we'll so we'll do everything in our power to try to bump, you know, elbows with the who's who in the world. We'll try to find the hottest wife or to find the hottest um, husband to satisfy the longings of our soul. You know, we want them to love us and to dote on us and to devote their entire lives to us and for them to complete us so badly. And as a result, we'll pour all of our energy and effort into trying to make this person the person that's meant to save our souls, whether we want to admit it or not. I'm seeking salvation and satisfaction and joy and peace and love through another person. And whether it be because we didn't get the love when we were growing up or that we believed in all the fairy tales and the R&B joints and the, and the, and the, and the movies and, and all these other things that say a person is going to complete you. A person's going to make you happy sitting, you know, chasing the Grey's Anatomies of the world and chasing the scandals of the world and chasing the Shonda, any other Shonda and Bridgerton of the Bridgertons of the world in an attempt to try to find my one, find my person. And that person fall end up falling short because at some point they're gonna let us down. At some point they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna do something that makes us think this person's not the person that I thought they were. I thought this person was this, but this has shown me something completely different. I thought this person was gonna complete me, but now this person's showing me another side of them that I didn't that I didn't see coming. And all the weight and pressure of trying of the, all the weight and pressure that we put on that person to satisfy the longings of the soul, they crack under that. Because no person can bear the weight of eternity. And what do we have wrought in our hearts? Eternity. No person was built to handle eternity. Only God can handle that. So when we can't then turn to a person, we'll then turn to the world. 
All the material things, the cars, the houses, the jobs, the careers, the titles, the money, the fame, the, the land, we, we, the, the vacations, the influence, you know, we'll turn to all these different things and we'll try so bad to live the limelight, the highlight reel of success. We turn, we look into, look at all these other people on our Instagrams and on our Facebooks and on our TikToks. And yeah, they're living the life. They got the fat car. They got the fat house. They got all those different things. They got the, the slamming. They got the rocking body. Yeah, I want that. And so we, bur we burn ourselves in an attempt to try to become what we see. To try to become everything that everybody else is. Because we, because we feel so bad that that's what's gonna, that's what's gonna satisfy my soul. We'll turn to alcohol. We'll turn to partying. We'll turn to sex. We'll turn to, um, you know, to, to good times, vacations. We'll turn to, you know, uh, Netflix and Hulu. We'll turn to, um, you know, the social medias. We'll turn to all these other things, in an attempt to drown out the noise that our soul is making, saying this ain't satisfying me. This ain't doing it for me. And all those things are telling us, I can satisfy you. I can, I can give you the satisfaction that you're looking for. When scripture says you should have no other gods before me, he's not just talking about Hotep and, and, and Ra and, you know, and all, and all the gods, you know, Zeus in them. He's talking about the things that we put above God thinking that they're going to satisfy the longings of the soul. And all of them are saying, I can make you happy. I can give you pleasure. I can give you satisfaction. How many of us, can I call, can I call us out today? How many of us get on TikTok just so that we can see some girl with heavy stuff, half naked, Saying, thank you for coming to my live. Please give me likes. Please give me gifts. Hi. Hey there. Aren't you so great? Aren't you so awesome? And we steady hitting the like button. Trying to find out how much money we got in the account to give them a gift. Just so we can get them to say our names. Thank you so much, True Gospel Morning Show. I sure do appreciate you. Going to the OnlyFans in an attempt to solve the longings of the soul, giving our money away, burning our money away. In an attempt to get somebody to say our names, to make us feel like we matter. The longings of the soul. We get on these platforms in an attempt to find something to make us feel like we matter. Make us feel like we're important. We'll get on my show and we'll type up what we want to type up in, in such rage and vitriol just so that somebody can see us. Oh, no, I'm just trying to point out the, the ridiculousness of what you're saying. Do you have to, though? You could easily just swipe. If it's that ridiculous. But that speaks to the longings of the soul and a desire to be known, a desire to be seen, a desire to matter. And when that don't work, we'll then turn to religion 
And again, religion is saying not religion in terms of like following Jesus, but religion in terms of let me get a list of do's and don'ts so I can figure out how to get God to open up his hand. Let me balance the scales in my favor so that way I can get God to give me stuff. Get God to make my life better. Get God to make me make me the way that I want to be. I can't do it. Maybe he can. So our relationship with Jesus isn't about Jesus. Our relationship with him is about him giving us the life that we want here on earth. When Jesus himself said, set your minds on things above, not on things of the earth. If you if you're in Christ. But what we do sometimes is we'll run to religion and say, God, I prayed today. God, I fasted today. God, I sang in the choir. God, I gave in the bucket. God, I ushered today. I taught your ministry. I preached for you. I, I stopped doing all the stuff I'm supposed to do. When are you going to give me stuff? When are you going to give me what I want? I did what you asked of me. Where's my stuff? I balance the scales. I'm not doing the wrongs that I used to do. Or if I'm doing wrong, I'm balancing it by doing all this good stuff. Where's my stuff? Which shows that we're still worshiping self, others, or the world. It ain't got nothing to do with Jesus. And all of those things over promise and under deliver. Because none of them can solve eternity. None of those things can fill a void so vast that you might as well call it a black hole. And the only thing that can fill that is Jesus. That's why he says in Colossians chapter 3, and y'all know me by now, I, I, I live in downtown Colossians chapter 3 when it comes to sanctification. Starting at verse number one, Colossians chapter three, starting with verse one. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things um, above and not on things that are on earth for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger. Wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Jew and Greek, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, 
kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord is forgiving you, so you also must forgive. And above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you, indeed, you were called into one body, and be thankful. So Paul tells us, we got to do two things with a possible third. We got to set our minds on things that are above, where Christ is. He has to be the greatest thing that we could ever possess. The greatest treasure that we could have. God gives us the heart of God that beats for him, that longs for him, that desires him. And we have to follow that heartbeat in worship to him as he becomes the ultimate thing that satisfies our souls. The world can't do it. Ourselves can't do it. Um, people, Other people can't do it. Religious works can't do it. Only he can. And when he does, he tells us to set our minds on thing, or, or, or set our minds on him. Matthew six and thirty three. You know, um, 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 I just drew a blank, just like that. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So God is telling us. Seek me, desire me, and as you desire me, I will show you. I'm not looking for some version of you. I'm look, I just want you. I'm not looking for pretty you. I'm looking for you, just you. When we look to others, we can enjoy our relationships and enjoy our friendships with people without making them in the gods where they are, they are allowed grace. To not show up for us sometimes. Not that we don't want, not that we want them to not show up for us, but sometimes they might not show up for us. But it doesn't, it's not an indictment on the relationship unless they're not showing up, it's not showing up in a really big way. And then you got some conversation you need to have, but you don't need to capitulate to having others to satisfy your needs. God supplies all that. You don't have to turn to the world for satisfaction. You can enjoy the pleasures of this world in God-honoring ways where you can have sex, but make sure that you're in a married, in a, in a, in a, in a relationship that God honors, in a marriage that God honors. You can have all the sex you want to in a relationship that God honors, in a marriage that God honors. You want to drink wine? That's fine. Drink wine, but drink wine in a way that honors God. Don't be so drunk that you can't remember half of what you did. You know, you want to enjoy food, enjoy food. But when you enjoy food, let that roll up to worship to God. God, thank you for the flavors. Thank you for the salt and pepper. Thank you for the paprika. We thank him. We worship, we uh, rolls up to worship to him. Thank God for the job that we have. Thank God for the car that we have. Thank God for the house that we got. But I'm not going to worship the house over him. I'm not going to worship the job over him. I'm not going to worship the house over him. I'm not going to worship the electronics over him. I'm not going to be so devoted to my electronics that I ain't got time for him. I'm not going to be so wrapped up in my phone to where I say, I ain't got time to read my Bible. You can put a whole Bible app on your phone. 
If you really, if you, if you really ain't got time, you got, you can make the time if you want to. Make time if you want to. If you really want to, you can make time. Worship Lord. You can make time if you want to. And then when it comes to religion, we do the things that God would have us to do, but we don't do them to try to win His heart. His heart was won by Christ. So now we do these things because He loves us. Because He loves us. We love because he first loved us. We do what we do because we love him. Not because we want him to love us. And so again, this is what, again, if we're not careful, sin. Walking out of line and out of lockstep with God. That's really what sin is. Walking out of lockstep and out of line and out of and, and out, uh, out of alignment, misalignment with God, missing the mark, sin always overpromises and underdelivers. We have to remember and we have to recall that for a lot of us as believers, our tendency is to run to all these different wells in an attempt to try to get God to open up his hands and give us stuff, or that these things are going to satisfy the longings of the soul. And God is saying, no, only I can. Only I will. And if you allow me that space, I can show you how not only I can do that for you, but I can help you overcome sin. As you're being sanctified, molded and shaped from one degree of glory to the next. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for the 3,100 likes that we have received thus far. Thank you for your comments. Thank you for your likes, your follows, your shares. Um, thank you also for the gifts if anyone has given anything on today. Um, again, we just thank y'all so, so much for spending a little bit of time with your boy. If you have missed any part of this recording, you can always go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts um, to listen to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast, at your leisure. You can catch up on this episode, catch up on any episodes you missed, or replay your favorite episodes. Um, thank you so much for watching. We'll be right back in just a moment.
You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live with your Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, wifey said, um, my daughter Allison's looking at me. Hey, I'm glad you're looking at me. I'm glad, I'm glad you're watching. Glad you're watching. Um, so, so definitely grateful for that. Um, uh, we had this um, question that didn't come from the chat, actually came from a, um, a friend of ours, a um, friend of my wife's, um, I should say. Um, and she asked the question, you know, if a person is, if a child, um, is not baptized before 12 years old and something were to happen to this child, would that child not enter the kingdom of heaven? And is that the responsibility of the parents to ensure that this child is baptized before, um, before, um, they become of age? Um, and this age that they, that they, that she was referring to is the age 12. Um, and so I wanted to unpack that to give us a greater understanding of what salvation is um, and, what and what baptism is. Um, in Luke chapter 2, starting at verse number 41, we find these words, which is where they get the number 12 from. This is talking about Jesus and his, and his parents. Verse 41 of Luke chapter 2. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when, he's when he was 12 years old, that's the key. When he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy, stayed, boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So that right there is where people get the, the age 12 from. That at a, certain, at a certain age, children ought to have a relationship with God or something to that effect. That's that's kind of the, 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 the where people get that baseline from. That it's at age 12 because Jesus was 12. Okay? So, hold on to that. Um... Um, John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse number 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and, of, of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. 
Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. The third and final place we want to go to to answer this question is as um, Romans chapter two. Verse 25 of Romans chapter 2. Circumcision is indeed of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code in circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. So, first of all, so first off. I almost said that condescendingly. I'm sorry, I didn't, I wasn't trying to say first of all. First off, um, the age of understanding is not 12. If you just look at and look out in the world, you have a lot of people who are 35, 37, 39, 58, 72. They ain't got a lick of understanding compared to a seven or eight year old. So the age of understanding is not some benchmark of 12 years old. The, the fact that Jesus was 12 and was in the synagogue had nothing to do with him being of age. You know, that was a whole different custom that the Israelites did that the Israelites went through that once you turn 12, you know, it was time to start going on these pilgrimages. And so that's what that was referring to, a specific time, a specific place, a specific situation. That's not, that's not a universal thing. The age of 12 is not the age of consent when it comes to following God. So that's, so there's no benchmark that needs to be reached to get to that point. It's not, it's not a, it's no longer your parents' responsibility to make sure that your children are in the Lord once they hit 12. The, it's not your responsibility to make sure that they're in the kingdom at all. Your responsibility is to teach them about the kingdom so that at the appointed time that God decides, they can make a choice about who to serve. That's not on us as parents. We sometimes as parents can get so caught up in, I want my child to be a believer and I'm so glad they're getting baptized. Yay! Like we can get caught up in thinking that we're reaching a milestone with them, but they're only doing what we're telling them to do. They haven't really made a decision about the Lord. They have just say, they're just regurgitating what they've heard the mommy and daddy say, what they've heard preachers say, what they've heard the, the, the teachers say in Sunday school. They haven't made a decision in their hearts. So they believe and confess with their mouths, but they, have, they don't believe with their hearts. And, it's, and again, I, I don't have a heaven or hell to put anybody in. You can get saved at six. You can get saved at four if God so decides. But a lot of times, and I can count myself as a witness, I believed because my parents told me to believe. I didn't believe because I believed in him. I, I loved I loved worshiping Jesus and going to church and all that stuff, but I didn't know what I was doing outside of what my parents told me to do. They just said, we going to church. All right. We go, we go, we're singing in the choir. All right. We're, we're, 
okay, if that's what you want me to do, all right, cool. So I wasn't worshiping the Lord, not from my heart anyway. I was just doing what I was told. And so again, you have a lot of parents who can think that our children are saved because they do everything that we're telling them to do. But that's not an indication of salvation because you have a lot of people who can do all the things that you're supposed to do as a Christian, but they ain't got a lick of God in them. That's, that's the first thing. The second thing is that if they don't have, if they've not, been, their hearts haven't been transformed by God. What I said to us before, God is holding people who don't have a walk with him and have never heard the gospel before where they heard it and received it and can now make a decision about it to a different standard. He's holding them to a different standard. Romans chapter one says everyone has the, an intrinsic knowledge of good and evil by virtue of Adam and Eve. Everyone has an intrinsic knowledge of good and bad, right and wrong, good and evil that is in their hearts. If they never hear the gospel, God is going to judge them accordingly. Because you got people who know the Lord and are doing all sorts of kind of stupid crap. God says there are people who have never heard, never heard my name that are going to judge you, those who have, and have chosen not to follow. Hypocrites who say one thing, but you're doing something completely different. Those who have never heard my name will stand in judgment of you. And that applies to children. If they've never been able to perceive the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they out here wilding out, they parents say, don't do this, do this, don't do this, you know, do this, don't do this, you know, follow the rules, do this, do that. God, excuse me, going to judge them accordingly. I don't know what the judgment's going to be. You might have a hellion get into the kingdom of heaven. I don't know. That's not my place. That's not my role. That's not my responsibility. So I ain't going to be out here t telling, telling y'all God going to do something. I don't know what he going to do. All I know is what he said in his word is that we all have an intrinsic knowledge of the, of the good and evil by virtue of Adam and Eve. And as a result of that, we know what's right. We know what's wrong. We know what's good. We know what's bad. And we got to come up with a lot of justifications in our head and in our hearts in an attempt to try to say what is bad is good and what is good is bad because we all have an intrinsic knowledge. Which is why we try to come up with every justification we can under the sun to justify what we want to do and then catch an attitude with God when he runs contrary to what they know, they know is wrong, but they found a justification to make it right and say, how dare God not do it my way? Who put you in the throne? Who put you on the throne? But I digress. That's another conversation another day. The point is, God's going to judge accordingly. Third and most important, water baptism doesn't save anybody. Water baptism is a symbol. When it says we're going to be um, baptized by water and of the spirit, it's talking about God cleansing us from all unrighteousness with the, with the living water. Washing us, redeeming us 
absolving us of our sins, washing us clean. He's not talking about physical water. Water ain't got no power in it. That is a symbol. That is a symbol of a of uh that's and it's a ceremony. Now we should be we encourage go get baptized. If you if you haven't been baptized before, go get baptized. You know, as a declaration of who you are, of who you are and whose you are, but it's not a requirement of salvation. The only requirements of salvation are repentance and belief. Repentance, washing, belief, spirit. Repentance and belief. Those are the prerequisites. If you believe with your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is the son of God and God raised him from the dead, you are saved. That is the prerequisite for salvation. So if your child never gets baptized, fret not. If your child is doing the best they can, doing good, some bad, fret not if they haven't made a confession of belief. If you're worried about whether or not they believe, like actively pursue their hearts and ask them, hey, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in that he is the son of God and that God raised him from the dead and what that means for you and what that means for us? Do you believe in that? You know, ask them the questions, push them in that direction, but don't be afraid for their souls if they haven't made that, haven't made that declaration. For at the end of the day, God has all that taken care of and your salvation and your, your, um, your, your right standing with God is not predicated upon what, whether or not your children get into the kingdom prior to some freak accident happening and they not make it to age 13. That, that, that's a, an old wives tale that use some scripture in an attempt to try to make people, bait people into making sure their children are in church. That's not, that's not biblical. It's not biblical. It's not gospel centered. And so again, I say all that to say, whether or not your child is, you know, a, a, a bona fide believer or not, should not be of your greater, your, your, your concern in so much that you are trying to push them for a confession or push them to get baptized at an early age. Let God grow them. Give them the truth. Give them the word. And then at the appointed time when they're ready, God's going to impress upon them. And they could be six years old when God does that. I wish somebody would have told me a whole lot better when I was six years old and got baptized, you know, what, five years old when I got baptized, what it was really about. I just saw two chairs in the front of the church, um, you know, when they were doing the altar call. I didn't know what that, I didn't know what an invitation to discipleship was. I just saw two chairs and I ran up and sat in one. But I wasn't saved till 16. And I didn't know the gospel until I was, um, until 2014. I don't know what, how old I was at that point. I didn't know what the gospel was until 2014. So again, thanks be to God that he had enough patience on me. I'm, no, I'm for real. I, I saw two chairs. 
I saw two chairs they put up front, said, did anybody want, and I got up and sat in a chair. I ain't know what I'm doing, but the whole church like, oh yeah. I was like, oh, okay. So we so sit in the chairs, get your chair for. Okay, cool. Well, let me go send the chair in. You want to be baptized? Sure. I don't know what I told the dude. And sure enough, I get dunked in some water, and I think he finna drown me. I almost cussed. <laughs> but yeah, man. And so at the end of the day, allow children to learn about God. Tell them all about him because he's so freaking awesome and let them know who he is. Let them know what he was, you know, hey, to God be the glory. Girl, that, see, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about, Leah. That's what I'm talking about. Like, you know, we, we don't know what's really going on, but thanks be to God that he was patient. with. That's why I love the scripture when it says, you know, God is patient with us and he wants all of us to come to repentance. Like, thank God he was patient with me. Thank God he was patient with you that enough time passed before it's like, okay, I want to, I'm ready. I, 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 I got it. I got it. Like, let's do this. And so to God be the glory, you know, for what he, for what he has done for us and what he does for all of us, he gives us an opportunity. And like we said, the children, there's some children that may get cut short. Their lives get cut short, but God has a caveat. For anyone who hasn't heard the gospel and been been presented with the choice. And so fret not if your children haven't been presented with one. Teach them. Give it to them. Ask them questions. And at the end of the day, don't worry yourself into a tizzy because you're so afraid that they're not going to be in the kingdom to where you're trying to push for them to get baptized and push for them to go to church and push for them so hard so that your soul can be absolved because it ain't about you. And your salvation isn't predicated upon whether your children get in the kingdom. Your salvation is predicated upon what happened on the cross. If you make it about anything else than that, you nullify what Christ accomplished on the cross for us. So don't nullify what he did by trying to say that your salvation is contingent upon what you do with your children. Because even on your even on your best day, your children may still decide, I don't want nothing to do with them. And if that's the case, to God be the glory. You, you did what you did. You're going to love them. You're still going to give them Jesus and hope that at some point they believe in him just like we do. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live with your Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Want to give you guys some good news. Um, I don't know if I got any fans that are um or followers that are, you know, um that are in need of medications on a regular basis. Um, but some good news came out of um out of um out of Amazon actually. Um this story was written by Megan Cerullo on yesterday. Um, Amazon is testing drones to deliver your medications in an hour or less. Amazon is testing a service that will drop its pharmacy patients' medications on their doorstep via drone in an hour or less. It is piloting the drone delivery service with customers in College Station, Texas, the company said Wednesday. Deliveries from Amazon Pharmacy are made within 60 minutes of a patient placing an order at no extra cost. Customers can have more than 500 medications to treat conditions like flu, asthma, and pneumonia delivered. 
The aim is to get patients' ailments treated as quickly as possible to deliver better medical care. Quote, we are taught from the first days of medical school that there is a golden window that matters in clinical medicine. Amazon Pharmacy Chief Medical Officer Dr. Vin Gupta said in a statement Wednesday, quote, that's the time between when a patient feels unwell and when they're able to get treatment, unquote. The drone delivery is aimed at narrowing that window, Gupta added. Drones can be speedy because they don't have to contend with vehicular traffic. Quote, our drones fly over traffic, eliminating the excess time a customer's package might spend in transit on the road, said Kalsey Hendrickson, director of product and program management at Prime Air. Quote, that's the beauty of drone delivery and medications were the first thing on our, our customers said they also wanted delivered quickly via a drone. Speed and convenience top the wish list up for health purchases. The drones fly at least 40 meters high and have built-in sensors um, when they arrive at a customer's home. The drones rely on cameras to detect people and pets as well as objects before they release their packages. Customers can retrieve their meds without interacting with the drones. Amazon has already tested drone delivery with other items, safely delivering hundreds of non-pharmaceutical goods within College Station over the past year. So that's freaking awesome. I mean, I can tell you from my own personal experience, I'll be having, you know, something as simple as like pink eye or something like that. And I just need a little drop, just just the little eye drops, you know, and I have to go to the doctor. I got to get them to look at me and then got to go get the prescription put at the put at the pharmacy. I got to wait for thousands of hours at the farm, you know, for the pharmacy to finally approve it. And no telling if I get it that day or whether I get it another day, depending upon how early I was able to get into the doctor's office to get the script written in the first place and how often have we run into situations like that so to know that amazon pharmacy can actually you know get something delivered you know within an hour like it is it's just one of the craziest things you know in the world but it's so freaking awesome because it means that a lot of people who are suffering with a lot of different ailments can now get their um, medications a lot faster so i'm really hoping that the pilot program works and is successful because if that's the case then we may see a lot of um a lot of our people getting access to better health care much, much faster. I mean, we've already seen, you know, with the advent of the pandemic, you know, that, you know, access to health care and things has become much greater with with um, with um, platforms like the one that I work for being able to deliver on, you know, mental health needs. Um, but they also do medical care and things of that nature. And so what a joy to know that we're almost one step closer um, to getting almost instant ac instant care. Um, you know, in, in, in being able to really take care of ourselves in ways that we never could have even imagined even five years ago. And so that's just freaking awesome. And I thank God for the people who have, you know, developed the technology to be able to do these things and help us to get to where we need to be. And so, listen, I want to thank y'all so, so much from the bottom of my heart for spending a little bit of time with your boy right here on TikTok Live. Thank you for every like, the 3,200 likes that we received today. Chef's kiss. I really do appreciate y'all. Every like, every comment, every follow, every share. You guys have been freaking awesome. And so I really do thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, be it, if you have enough, if you have a little bit of time left in your day before getting started, um, check me out on overtime right here on TikTok Live um, as soon as the show is over. But if not, if you can't see the good, be the good. I love you guys. Peace out, homies.